Welcome to the Big Kickoff Football Podcast with myself, Roy Shanahan, David Bugle, and from thebigkickoff.com, it's Neil Dobbs. Well, it was another Champions League week and Manchester United hosted PSG, but went down three goals to one. And after the game, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer defended his decision not to substitute midfielder Fred after he only received a yellow card for headbutting a PSG player. Solskjaer said, We said at halftime, just be sensible. And he was. He played well. When the decision that the referee made, maybe you look back that there's no reason from his performance to take him off. So he's kind of saying the referee made a poor decision in sending him off in the end. Dave, do you agree with him? In the one-off incident for the second yellow, to an extent, yes. But commentary were saying maybe it's time for him to go. But the interesting point came from Peter Walton, the ex-ref who was on BT, and I was watching a bit of it afterwards because I didn't see every minute of the whole game because I was flicking around a bit. But he kind of said, look, the way it works with some of these guys, you know, your tolerance, like if there's persistent fouling, your tolerance for certain players comes right down. And he literally had the biggest, brightest sign above his head from the get-go. So he kind of said, look, it's not a surprise, regardless whether it obviously proved that the second yellow wasn't exactly the the the, the, the deserving in that sense. But the persistent fouling, he kind of said, look, his tolerance would have been very much, not uh, very low for him. So therefore, it was inevitable it was going to happen. Um, so in that sense, yeah. But I think he's clutching a little bit, to be honest. But it's it's easy thing to do, unfortunately. This is a bit more of a broader statement. It's the easy thing to do is to poor old Solskjaer gets an awful beating every time they lose the game. Um, it's very rare he gets applauded when they win one. But as soon as it's, as soon as they lose, he gets battered all the time. So in this instance, it's another easy one to to beat him up with a little bit. Fair enough. Yes, he would have talked to him and put a bit of trust on the player at half time to to take to, to take it easy. But with these European sides now, they're just they 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 almost probably go through as a book and a half time, and they were obviously gonna make the most of it no matter when they were around them. And it, unfortunately, we probably all seen it was inevitable; it was almost gonna happen. But that, is that not the biggest thing that? Everyone felt it was inevitable that was going to happen. Yeah. You listen to the commentary, you, you listen to yourself, because I, when I was sitting at the game, I'm going, what are you doing? Just take him off. He's yeah. he's, he's a liability now. I, it's not as if he got he didn't get sent off for the headbutt and then there was no incidents afterwards. There was three or four incidents afterwards before he made, I yeah. thought that was a good tackle and he got the yellow card for it, but maybe the referee was waiting for that moment saying, listen, that's enough, even if he didn't, you know, it doesn't. the referee just has to, to miss it. Yeah, and that's what Walton was alluding to, that his tolerance for Fred would have been so low after the many tackles that regardless of that actual tackle that he got the book for, whether whether it was a fair tackle or not, it, like he was not that he, he said he was ready to go and put it in the pocket, but he's on the radar and for the wrong reasons. So the next kind of tackle that is that strong or is that kind of tough where he thinks it's so, he's going to get it. Like Walton pretty much admitted it, that that's exactly why it happened not necessarily for that specific tackle, but it was the combination of everything that the next kind of remote dodgy tackle that was going to come. And as you said, you've seen it. We all kind of thought it. The commentators seen it. Everyone kind of seen it. But unfortunately, the manager did Neil, they had Pogba and Donny van der Beek on the bench. It's not as if there'd be a massive downgrade of who he could bring on. Yeah, I think that was what was frustrating a lot of people. Like, you know, if anything, Man United have extra mids. You know, Van der Bay can't get into the team on a good day. So, yeah, would have been the prime opportunity to throw him on. You already had my Tom and A in there, so you had one out and out hole and player. Um, but I think Dave hit the nail on the head there. I think everyone else 
both Solskjaer, but at the same time, I was, I was, I didn't actually see the first half myself live. I, I watched the highlights as well. Everybody on social media, the first thing they were saying is Fred's going to get sent off. Something's going to happen. It, you know, the commentators, you know, Brian Kerr, Noel Curry, they were all saying it. And yes, you know, he could have got away with it. He could have been a bit more professional. But when you look at Fred's character and the way he plays the game, he does play on the edge. Like you have to hand it to him. He gets stuck in. He's that guy that makes those tackles. So, uh, yeah, I, I think they should have just hauled him. I think half time is a good time to do it. Um, and yeah, it came back to bite him in the foot at the end, I guess. So, yeah, I, I, sorry, right. Just for one thing, and I suppose what probably makes it worse as well is like they fight subs in Europe. So you're not exactly giving up one of your precious three subs. So yeah. I think that's another reason why people are probably frustrated as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it just seems a bit naive for him to talk in that manner that we had a talk with him at half time you could see how rash he was and and, and it was going to be that one tackle because he is as Neil said that type of player I like him as a player I think he's a good player I think he does break it up well I think he's got he's full of energy but for any player that you see that's on the I suppose on the cliff's edge that you can see that they're they're just that one foul away from you know getting in trouble you're supposed to protect these people and and whether that's uh, for me I think I the minute he did the the headbutt thing he sh- he should have been taken yeah. off then because you're a, you're a liability then people are going to get in your head you know and, and wh- why is he doing that in the first place is what I want to know he's probably up against Roy as well the one team that overreact to every single little challenge and I mean let's be honest Paris Saint-Germain have pros in there that know exactly what they were doing. There was guys running 10 yards nearly to get near to him just for something to happen. Like you imagine that was definitely said in their dressing room or everybody United's dressing room. So there was a little bit, you know, you deny it even more so with the opponents that they have in Europe. They don't need an excuse to send you off. Last week against Southampton, it was kind of the first week that I started to doubt Solskjaer as in I've been behind him all the way. I think he's... I think, as you said, Dave, already, I think people were easy to jump on top of him. I'd never really yeah. jumped on top of him. I did question some of his decisions, all right, and uh, and I think that's still happening now. But I started to doubt him last week if he could improve as a manager because he was blessed to claim three points against Southampton last week in, in the Premier League. It easily could have been two points dropped or even more, you know, the three, full three points. He started two up front and a diamond midfield He's played that system before this season and United were equally disappointing in those games. They had no wit. They were reduced to playing longer, straighter balls down the middle. And that's how the Southampton game played out. And that doesn't play to the strengths of the players that he has there. Rashford and Greenwood, who who are wider players, who, who like to cut inside. And then he had Carvani on the bench, like a, a striker that he's brought in. And don't play. He, he he's changing. I think it's the lack of consistency with him on his formation, his lack of consistency on who he's playing uh, uh, in positions. Um, again, the other night he played Martial on the left and played Rashford on the right. For me, Rashford is the best player to play on the left hand side for Manchester United. End of story. So just play him on the left hand side. Let him cut in. Let him do his stuff. If you're going to fit Martial in, you got to fit him out on the right hand side because I think Martial is 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 below him. I think he's below Carvani. So I, I'm not sure he he has that resolved in his head. And I think we talked about this before. And I do question whether he's learning from the job or is he kind of just winging it Dave 
Yeah, just take pretty much agreeing with almost word for word there. And I suppose straight away, halfway through when you were talking, it like one of the keys for any successful side is stability. Like even we were talking about Spurs last week, and we're talking about Chelsea last week, and that's the fact that they're probably the next in line behind Liverpool and City. And you can see it now; they're starting to get settled players and settled positions. And of course, United are still not there, and that's one of the biggest keys, as you said. There's lads are playing in right wing, they're playing left wing up front, and then buying 45 million midfielders, and then barely giving them any game time. So very disjointed, and as you, at no level of consistency. And I suppose what I'd probably say to you, Roy, is, as yourself as United fans, to kind of come back then on that. You know, we, we might only have to wait another week or so, but if Leipzig do a job on them and they slip down into the Europa League, would that be the final nail? Would it be that quick? Well, it, the next three games for Manchester United are West Ham, away, Leipzig and then Manchester City. So West Ham are on, t- on top form at the moment. Leipzig's a big game and Man City's obviously a big game. So you're looking at them three games. The way Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is at the moment, he wins two, loses one. It wouldn't surprise me if he if he beat West Ham because he needs it. He loses to Leipzig and then he goes and beats City. That's just the way it works with, with Solskjaer. And it just happens to keep himself in the job. And again, I want them to do well in the job. I want them to keep his job. I want them yeah. to progress on the team. But I also want to see that he's learning in the job. And he, consistency is everything. And I can't understand how he hasn't... You that at the moment. I, I don't see consistency. I don't see, I don't see consistency in his team selections I don't see consistency in the, uh, selecting players in the positions that they should be playing and I, I do see persistence in him putting the likes of Martial up centre forward when he's not a centre forward and, and that, that that bothers me and it, it, he had that persistence to keep playing Pogba all the time finally it, the penny has dropped with him with Pogba um, but it's taken a long time and I just hope everything else doesn't take that long because I don't think he'll get that long I think he will get through to Christmas, um, but okay. yeah, it does depend on those three results, really. Uh, but then again... But would it, they not let him go, right? Huh? Would they not let him go by now? Like, the Pochettino shadow's been hanging over him a while now. Pochettino appeared on Sky Sports. That was kind yeah. of for me a moment where he's saying, come on, someone come and get me. You know, He kept saying, I'm waiting for the right opportunity. I'll get back involved with the right opportunity. But was that not a heavy shadow that someone would have gone, this is the time now to do it? Like, Solskjaer's been in the job long enough now that you can't really turn around and go, how does he not know his best team? How does he not know his best formation? And how does he not know at this stage what players belong? And you hit the nail on the head there, Rashford is a prime example. Leave him out on the left where he does the most damage. He's, he's the best player in that position for Man United. I just don't understand why he just doesn't stick with a winning formula like that. Yeah, I think he thinks that uh, he has players who can play in multiple positions and if you just throw them in any position at all, that they'll do as good a job as they have done so Rashford on the left out on the right. Now, in fairness, Rashford hasn't been switched that much, but you think in, in a game like this, play Martial out on the right, don't move your, your, your left-hand side player and put Cavani's up front. Cavani now, it, it's shown that Cavani is is capable and able and we knew that, that he would be um, and I, I just don't see how he can't figure out who he's going to play the, Matic played against Southampton in the centre midfield Matic is finished 
he, he hasn't got the legs anymore. Yeah. He, can, he can't get around the pitch. Yes, he can break up tackles when they're close to him. He, he's still good at that. Yes, he can still put a pass together. But he actually, I think he lost the ball more, especially in the first half. He lost the ball more than he completed passes. So I'm not seeing how, where progression is putting Matic in. When you have the likes of, and again, a lot of people don't like Fred. I still think he's OK. I still think he can do a job. But McTominay is a better player than, than Matic there for me at the moment. Why can't you play Van der Beek and why can't you play Fernandes as well in that midfield three? It's a, it's it's for me that's the perfect midfield three. Uh, Dave missed opportunities cost United the game more so than anything, uh, especially Martial's open goal. Oh, you know, you, you definitely you could put that in the bracket of your Torres, Rosenthal, and a few others. Where, yeah, there's nothing you can comment on it. That's just a bread and butter. Put your house on it and. It, it kind of puts the nail on everything that we're talking about here and it sums up United in general, like, you know, kind of shown so much, but then when it really matters, falling flat, you know, because of this kind of, con- everything that we're talking about, basically. And it, it does, it just epitomises United at the moment, shown so much and then bang, no, you're still not there yet. Or there's some, there's just some stumbling blocks that they just haven't quite figured out yet. But yeah, I can't really, yeah, it, it was just a, a, a jaw dropping one where you go, Jesus, it's just, that's just the epitome. And straight away, I felt, yeah, you're going to pay for that. And you would have fancied, you, know, you, you, you would have fancied away. Rashford to finish in that position, wouldn't you? I'd have fancied Martial to do it as well, to be honest, and he didn't. But yeah, yeah it, you know, somebody else 100%, but anybody for that matter. But yeah, obviously, you, you would have put your house on better players in the side as well. Martial is, Martial's one of them where he'll always have a career. And somebody will think, I'll get it. I'll unlock, I'll unlock the secret. And then you'll be 30, 31 and you go, geez, where's Martial? Or what's going on with him? Ah, uh, somebody's still trying to uncrack un- 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 the code of him. Yeah. He, he gives you that little, like a golf, like our level of golf. We'll, we'll always do that one straight drive that'll make us go out next week. And he'll do that next week or the week after. He'll have that game where you'll beat a few players, get a few goals. Oh, maybe, just maybe. But then he'll go and disappear again for another six weeks, you know? Yeah, yeah. Neil, are PSG a shadow of the team from last year, or could they go that one step further? I think, yeah. I, I think, I think it was a massive missed opportunity for them last year. Um, I think they're struggling this year mainly because their midfield can't stay fit. Um, but he came back in the other night. He's a quality player. I think he they miss him huge. Um, even the likes of Teresa uh, Gay was on the bench again. He's nearly back fit. Herrera, what's it? Paredes was in the middle. Um. I think when they don't have a functional midfield, they're far too reliant on Mbappe and Neymar, um, which happened, I think, in the first leg against United. So uh, I don't think they're strong. And uh, I just think, yeah, I think they're over-reliant on the two guys to pull something out of nothing. I still think they were very good the other night, but I just don't see them overwhelming a Man City, a Bayern in particular. Uh, Liverpool maybe can get a few players back next year, but... Uh, they're they're never they're not going to win it with the squad they have now and like with the amount the level of investment and the time and the you know they they always felt they were edging a little bit closer but no I I, I don't think they're going to go any further I think last year was their best chance. Dave Neymar scores two goals. What do you make him? <laughs> As I said in my text earlier on, like you know, it's a little bit I suppose down to the fact that with the whole Maradona situation and you've seen and, and those Maverick type players who can beat players and then you watch a bit of them last night and unfortunately the last they, 
two to three years of most of his career it's the theatrics that he's most aimed for but in my opinion like and this is what I want to kind of put to you guys like personally I think he is the one who should be king i.e. he should be the new number one in the fact that he's 28 he's still in the peak of his fitness he has the pace he has the skills but he doesn't show them every week like the guys Messi and Ronaldo are in the winter of their career let's not mess about so who's next in line and in my opinion it should be him but we just don't get it out of him and this is my argument bit that you can kind of say it's nonsense or not but arguably I think he is the most, the, the most skillful player there is but it's the other crap that is more is more important for him I think and, and if he kind of really copped on and grabbed the ball in the horns, he could and should be the best around at the moment, in my opinion. Is it a, f- a thing that he's too, he was too obsessed going to Paris Saint-Germain to be the world's yeah. best player, to get out of the limelight, rather than keeping his head down and, and just really trying to, to do what's best for his team? And of course, everything comes hand in hand then. Yeah, like, I was thinking about it earlier and it kind of reminds me a little bit Remember Ibrahimovic, like the first half of his career, has skills, has kind of flair that a lot of players don't, but it was more for himself. And the kind of second half of his career, it's like the penny dropped. And, I, and he was a class act for, 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 for uh, United. And obviously now at Milan, at Galaxy, and a couple of whoever was before United, like he, you could see at Paris, he was a class act. And you're kind of hoping, geez, I wish Neymar, the penny would drop with him, that he needs to realise how special a player he is and needs to show it week in, week out and he's the one that could really get us excited again the way a la Maradona, so to speak, because he has got them skills. Like the quarterfinal game, I can't remember who the opposition was this year in Champions League, but we talked about on the podcast how good it was to see him doing the good stuff in the game and not the crap that you see and you've seen it in the first half in, the, in, 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 in Old Trafford last night. Like that's how good he can be. Now whether he can do it week in, week out, obviously he's never done it in my opinion, but he's he spouting out this week about, oh, I'd love to play with Messi again. So it's just hope. I don't believe it. But maybe, maybe that's a floor to come to, to Paris. Or does he realise now what he needs to do to really solidify his legacy in the game? Because, yeah, it, I don't want to look back when it's over. And, yeah, sad. I think he's one of them who could or should have been. Well, when you look at the, the league table, uh, the group table, Manchester United are top just about on goal difference, but they're all on nine points. Man United, Paris Saint-Germain and Leipzig. Uh, Istanbul have uh, three points and that was against Manchester United and that's where they could have slipped up and that's where it could cost them now. And uh, obviously you fancy Paris Saint-Germain to go through. Uh, it, it's a big one then uh, between Leipzig and Manchester United. Uh, something to look forward to. Uh, Chelsea... An unbelievable 4-0 win away against Sevilla. Giroud, the oldest player in the Champions League to score a hat-trick. Neil, should Lampard play him or Abraham up front as their number one striker? Um, I think he's shown a lot of faith in Abraham now and if he was to revert, he might damage him long-term. Um, but judging from the last few weeks, I would have him in ahead of uh, Abraham myself. Um, there was a very good piece in him on the weekend there, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, who would you know, he'd run a careful eye over Chelsea attackers and he did a little piece on uh, Abraham and a couple of balls that came into the box from over the weekend. The way he was attacking the ball, he fell over twice, he lost balance. One time he was literally, it was on his head and he turned and kind of angled, I don't know what the hell he was doing. 
Um, he missed maybe, as Hasselbank said, he had five goals on show and he came away with none. He was just, it's not good enough. And he kind of called him out a little bit and I like that. Um, if you look at the likes of Cavani there the weekend, two chances, two goals. Um, and I think at the end of the day, if you want to be a top striker in the top teams, you know, you have to put away them chances. And Chelsea at the moment, they're a mammoth team. They're grown into a mammoth team. They're on some run of form, but they're lucky that they have goals elsewhere. They're not reliant on uh, on Abraham the same way kind of Liverpool aren't reliant on Firmino. But um, for my money, I'd have Giroud in there now and let him learn a harsh lesson because I don't get it. Like Shearer does pieces on it. They all say it. His movement isn't good enough. He's not getting in the box at the right time. He either pulls back when there's crosses coming in. They just they all said it. Ian Wright, Shearer, all the great players that he just isn't doing what he needs to be doing. And I think they go easy on him because he's English and they champion him because he's English. But um, Lampard's going to have to make a call on that. It, it's not a bad problem to have either. I mean, you can bring Giroud in and out. But uh, I guess for my money, if there were, you know, a couple of important games coming up, I'd probably start Giroud once or twice, definitely. And there's the European Championship coming this summer and Giroud is uh, keen to be playing regular football. So January is coming around. You, you, you don't really want them leaving, Neil, do you? Well, can they let them leave? You know what I mean? Like, who's the backup after Giroud? You know what I mean? It, it, it really is them too. Now, again, Chelsea have an embarrassment of riches um, playing it, you know, up front now and, and you know, there's natural scores all over the pitch. Um, like if you take Kante out of it and maybe Jorginho on his day, the, the rest of the front four or five all have goals in them. They've added Werner, they've added Havertz. Um, Pulisic, I still think, is a class act and he's only getting back from fitness and now again he's getting back to the two fitness. Um, so they have goals all over the field but you still need a focal point someone that the ball's going to stick to to bring them other players into the game. Um, and I think Giroud is, is one of the best around still at bringing players in. And that's why, you know, he's he's there at that age and he still produces. Like his goals the night were phenomenal. They were absolutely class. And uh, the one that he chipped the keeper in particular, just drew the keeper in. Great experience, great composure. Um, it could be just a case for Abraham that it, it, it's a little bit quick, maybe, that he could have been in and out and in and out and then being the main man. But um, I don't know, he just doesn't look ready. Uh, great season last season, but he just doesn't seem to be ready this year. He hasn't kicked on. Well, Chelsea have qualified through to the last 16. They're also toured in the Premier League, two points behind Spurs and Liverpool. Dave, can they win either? Um, Champions League, maybe not yet. Maybe a little bit still wet behind the ears when you've got the likes of your Bayerns and even potentially your Liverpool's and cities. I'm not, I'm not saying, no, I wouldn't 100% like them off, but if I had to, if I was made choose one, potentially the league this year. I think the way the, the condensed season, the way it is, and everything that's going on, it's it's getting more and more likely that it's going to be a bit more open season and no one's going to run away with it. Or as we said last week, it's not going to be in the 90s this year. That's for sure. So as long as they can hang on to the coattails of what's there, and at the moment, no one's, setting a real marker in the league so if I had to pick one of the two I would say the league I just think you know yeah just maybe a little bit early for, for, for Champions League Champions League takes a while sure just just talk to City you know they're still trying to knock on that door and even Paris Saint-Germain so on that basis I would, I would say yeah maybe maybe a little bit shy but they're building a team who will compete for that for that big trophy that big European trophy without a shadow of doubt over the next few seasons 
Manchester City hammered Burnley at the weekend 5 0. They got their goals back. They've qualified as well for the last 16. How do you see, Neil, City's season, I suppose, panning out? Because they haven't been on fire really. And I suppose a bit, little bit like Liverpool, we've expected so much more from them uh, this season. But this season is a completely different season altogether. Yeah, I am. I was kind of doing up an article the last week about contenders and I kind of put Chelsea and Spurs and Liverpool in there and then I kind of left City out because they'd just been, they were bang off form and they didn't seem to have goals in them and they were creating loads but not finishing. They just, you know, Jesus maybe was a little yard short and not finishing great. So uh, within a week now, they trashed Burnley. They made easy work of their Champions League group. I think at the end of the day, their squad as a whole is still very, very impressive. And only really Chelsea, I think, can match them for a squad. And a squad of quality, and I mean on the bench, where they're bringing guys off the bench and you're like, yeah, bang on, perfect player to bring in. Um, City are on the usual side, though. As far as going for the league or league titles, they seem to either fancy it or they don't. Um, I think they literally gave up last year after ten after Liverpool won the first eight or nine or ten games. I think City just went, yeah, listen, that's us. We had it last year, and I think they gave up the ghost. I think that's the way they are, and they prioritised the Champions League instead. And I don't think they're doing that this year. I just think they've come out cold. They haven't started in the manner that they that they were accustomed to, um, and they were struggling. Now, if that said, they win the next two or three games, and with the Christmas period coming up, that kind of game every three days or so, they could come out the other side of that a lot closer to the top. Um, and once they begin to feel it in their bones, then you'd fear for everybody else. If they can get back to that form of kind of two seasons ago when they were flawless after Christmas. Um, but I think we kind of touched on it last week or the week before. We're saying, I still think they're short one piece of the puzzle in the middle of midfield. Um, the David Silva conundrum, can they replace him? Um, what if they play the way they did against Bordy, etc.? You know, they could be a force again. They're just unusual. They're not quite where we think they should be. Dave, just before we, we drift away from the Champions League, yeah. we mentioned Group B just off air there. Borussia Mönchengladbach on eight points, Shakhtar Donetsk oh, oh. and Madrid on seven and Inter on five. Actually, Inter had a good win. I think they was a 3-2 or 4-3. They beat uh, Borussia to get themselves off, well, not off the bottom of the table, but they would have been out of contention if they if they didn't beat Borussia. So they're only three points behind Borussia. It's a tight one, and you, and you could see the big lads, Madrid and Inter, who would have been favourites to go through, missing out. Yeah, you just, uh, I have the page open here of the fixtures. So Inter are at home to Shakhtar, and Real are at home to Borussia, Motion Gladbach. Um. So it doesn't really say too much. The two bottom teams are at the are at home, and yeah, the two top teams avoid defeat, and they're there. It's it's brilliant. This, this is what you want to see, and it's a it's a it's very rare in the Champions League now the way the draw is done that you have such a tight group, and it's great that there's a bit of a winner takes all between United and Leipzig as well next week because most of them, most of the others are pretty much done and dusted. Yeah, maybe a little bit of second and third going on, but that's a cracking group where all four can get in, and Literally, that goes wrong. Zidane is out. Pochettino could be having. Imagine within two weeks, Pochettino could be choosing between. Uh, <laughs> he could be choosing between um, Madrid or United if, if things go away. Because if Madrid don't make it into the knockout stage, I'd say Zidane has gone almost immediately because they're ruthless. 
Um, so yeah, it could be a very interesting week or two in the managerial uh, merry-go-round if certain results don't go to go uh, certain clubs' ways in the in the in the, in the last game, last round of games. Yep, Liverpool also true. Um, they drew at the weekend against Brighton, and it was it's, it's interesting because we've never heard Klopp complain or even I don't know if the word is whinge so much. Uh, it, it does does he have a point or is is he just whinging now? Should he just be getting on with it? And we don't really hear Burnley yeah. or Leeds United or, or or you know Wolves giving out about their players being out. He seems to be yeah. a little bit under pressure. Last year everything went right for him. There was no injuries. There were, everything yeah. went perfect for them. You know, last year this was happening to other clubs, and you know it, it's just something that happens. Yeah, there's a there's a small element where he's saying he's speaking for everybody, but deep down he's really, he's really speaking for his own club, like everyone else would have. Um, but it's 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 nothing new, you know. Fergie was a bit of a in inverted commas the spokesman for the league, but really it was for himself as well. At a few times and said we're dancing with the devil now in relation to the TV, and and he basically said it. That's that's the price we're going to have to pay now. Um, but. It's getting like yeah, straight away from the from the very first question he was ready to go, and you knew it was going to happen. And Des Kelly played it really cool, just talked about the game for the first half of the interview, and then just said, "Right, I'll slip it in now," because he, he he was ready and he knew it was coming. And uh, when he mentioned Milner's in, uh, injuries, so congratulations to him. So yeah, yeah, like as a, you caused it. So there's certain elements of his argument that are a bit okay, calm down, mate, but. The one thing I found interesting, which I suppose is, he said, I've been told to keep quiet and maybe I will from now on. And it's like, well, if you have a real point about this or if you think this is wrong for the player or for the, his own players and for the other clubs, well then, don't. But that's the stereotype that you have to do. Have your little say, but then get back in your box and say nothing. We're not upsetting the, the apple cart that is this mega money uh, merry-go-round for everybody. Um so that's what I found interesting. He's been told to stay quiet. And I was like, oh, okay. Or he's been advised to stay quiet. And it's like, well, why? We, we don't want to piss off these people. So they give us a billion less next year or the next deal. So who's told you to keep quiet, which is what I found interesting. And I think that's unfortunate. You should be able to say what you want if you have a genuine problem. Um, yeah, he, he had certain things right. But let's face it, and I'll go back to Fergie's quote, you've signed your soul, you've sold your soul, you're dancing with the devil now, and this is the way it works. You know, and if anything, the problem with the half twelve kickoff, like Neville came up and said, "Oh no, I always had a problem with the half twelve. Like it's a, there's a big difference between half twelve and three o'clock, and I was yeah, whatever." But if anything, the biggest problem is it was a disadvantage in theory to play a half twelve, but you're playing on the Tuesday, so if you play any later, it's a disadvantage for Tuesday. So you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. So you know, if you're going to argue, argue about the bigger picture and argue about everything, but um. He's going to look sour now with all the injuries. And when he said it against Leicester, it was okay because they won. But then poor performance last week, obviously it looks sour. And if he keeps it up now, they'll be ready to go. I'm getting the impression now, you've had your fun. You've gone all the way to the top. Now now we're ready to start sticking the boot in. And the press are starting to not get pleasure, but they're starting to have a, yeah, I suppose, yeah, they are. They're starting to enjoy themselves having spoken his fun. But if he has a real problem, Feel free, go for it, but don't shut up just because you're being told to. Because we need, we better not upset the the money tree. Neil, 
Mikel Arteta, they can't seem to get any sort of consistency going at all. One week you think that they're 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 making leaps and bound forward. The next week, even though they lost to to Wolves, a solid outfit, they look a, a shadow of of what they've played the previous week. There's been talk this week that they're. And again, you hear this an awful lot. I don't understand what it means half the time, but uh, that he's lost the dressing room. Um, the fact that, for me, what I don't understand about that comment, and you hear people saying it, is that the fact is that the players that are in there they probably shouldn't be in the dressing room at all. I don't know how, how they can lose the dressing room when the, the players go out on the pitch and, and, and don't perform. And he just doesn't have the right players, in my opinion, and he probably needs a couple of years, in my opinion, to change things around because the players they have are still in sort of Arsene Wenger players, very soft players. Yeah, I think, uh, number one, I think the whole loss of dressing was a lot of crap anyway because he hasn't even been there long enough to lose the dressing room. I think they're, Arsenal at times look really good. They look pleasurable on the eye. I think defensively-wise, definitely this year, they are better. There's no doubt about it. They're defending with a better structure. Um, but I just, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I just think they need a couple more transfer windows and uh, they need to maybe get rid of the Wenger, you know, the one or two last of the Wenger lads and that he can really put his print on the team. But it's like that. They seem to judge Arsenal week in, week out. Um, I love their podcast, the lads sitting in the room watching the game and losing their minds when they lose a goal. But uh, if you look at their midfield on the weekend, it was Sabalos and Zaka in the middle. And they're missing Partey at the minute, who's a big loss. He's the new signing, and I think he's a big difference. They're a bigger team, a better team when he's in the team. Um, they still haven't got a partner for Gabriel in the back line. Uh, David Luiz, I know, had a bad injury and all the rest, but he wouldn't be a long-term solution. Um, and then they have a couple of young lads in the team that are promising, the likes of Saka, uh, Willock played. Um, but I think their biggest problem at the moment is definitely Abamyang seems to have gone off the boil since he signed his new contract. Um, and they don't seem, you know, he plays nearly every game or every game. Um, they don't seem to have a central striker because they like to drop him on the left side and therefore they start to lack goals. Um, I think Arteta is doing a decent job insofar as he's given them a better identity than they were. Um, maybe a couple of bigger results that he's got this year, but they've no consistency and they probably, you know, if I was an Arsenal supporter at this stage, and I work with an Arsenal supporter and he comes in every week and he's high and he's, and he's low and he's high and he's low. Um, they're just going to have to play the long game and give him time to turn it around. Um, and that involves another two or three transfer windows. Neil, do um, they, do they need to bring in something that's going, or a player that's going to create, like, a, like Jack Grealish. Jack Grealish is there. Would he fit into that team and start creating things for them? Because there doesn't seem to be that spark in the team. Yeah, I think they brought in Willian in that regard this year. I think that was the kind of guy they were looking at, someone that could create, that could carry the ball, create something. Jack Grealish would fit into any team this year, uh, the way he's playing. Um, you look what he's doing with Villa at the moment, he's turning it into a decent attacking force. Um, and he's he's not a one-man band there by any means, but he's definitely the standout player. I, like If Arsenal could get a guy like Grealish, definitely. Um, they brought in Nicholas Pepe who you could argue was meant to be the Grealish, and then he just turned into a massive, massive flop at the moment. He can't do anything right. Uh, they brought in William then to replace Pepe, uh, or to give him a, maybe a kick. Um, but they just seem to get a lot of their signings wrong. And I mean, Arsenal spend money. They spend big money on Lacazette, Aubameyang, 
And uh, Nicholas Pepe was massive money. Um, but maybe a likes of a Grealish or something like that might be enough to change him around. I think they maybe do need another star player because Aubameyang seems to be doing, you know, taking that title himself. So maybe a creative attacking flair player. You know, it's been a long time since they had Henri in the club. Um, maybe that's what they need. Dave, over in England, fans have been let into the grounds again midweek. There was uh, 2,000 fans in a lot of the stadiums, actually. It's good to see it back again. Yeah. Um I can't remember what time because obviously every hour they, they do the headlines of Sky Sports News and ironically I think they led with it on one of the hours when the matches were just finished and it was kind of like just listen to this and it was a goal it was the first goal with a crowd and there was no sound no commentary no nothing and as soon as the ball hit the net you could hear this roar and it was a decent sized roar considering the size of the ground and it was just nice to hear that again and, and, and let's face it lads, there's a big difference you know it's real so, uh, yeah, delight to see. Hopefully it works out and doesn't cause too many problems and everything's done safely. By all accounts, they were interviewing different fans coming out with the ground uh, over the last few days and they were quite happy the way it was done. Um, so, yeah, it, 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 listen, it can only be a good thing. And, you know, it'll be interesting, as I said to you when I texted you earlier on, will it kind of bring up the performances another notch or two, that the fact that there's fans there and they can be roaring. And, and let's face it, there's only 2,000. And if you get one or two grumpy ones, you'll hear them. You'll hear them moaning and they'll be very interested. <laughs> Let's face it. So um, it, it can only be a good thing. And then hopefully it'll be a good thing in, in some of the games. Because some of the games do be stale and still have that pre-season feel sometimes where it's like, yeah, come on. They're going through the motions. Let's get going. Like Usually it's a goal that needs to put. Hopefully now with, with the more the fans come in, um, we'll really start to see the games uh, start to come to life a little bit quicker and easier. Yeah, someone who wasn't as happy was Lee Bowyer. He was unhappy with the neg- yeah. negative charting supporters. The Addicts welcomed 2,000 fans to their League One clash against MK Dons. He said, did admit that his, uh, the visitors looked much sharper uh, as they fell to a 1-0 defeat, but he was not impressed with the returning supporters who he urged to be more positive as he complained about the audible moans and groans coming from the uh, socially <laughs> distant crowd. He, what he said was... Uh, They've been away so long, I'd rather they get behind the team and try and get them going because they played a hard game on Saturday against Ipswich and when we play at home, we need those fans to be positive. Um, also, that's what I'd rather happen, but I'm glad to see they're, see they're back in. I just wish they were a little bit more vocal and got behind the team. So, yeah, not as you said... You're going to hear the cheers, but you're definitely going to hear the groans and the uh, isolated comments. Yeah, boo-hoo, Lee. Jesus Christ, mate. Talk about kind of uh, uh, getting the fans on your side. Jesus, like, you know, I, I, I don't know because I, I can't get the league up quick enough, but I hope, I hope they're doing well because if they're not, <laughs> fans will be putting them under pressure. But yeah, jog on, me. You know, come on. Jesus, they're only back. And it is a little different for fans and it is going to take a while for fans, I suppose, to get going because they're all a couple of seats apart. They all have to wear the face mask, and I'm and I'm sure you know. I don't know how they're all, they're going to allocate the tickets. Like, will they kind of get not necessarily ultras, but they're. I don't know how they're going to allocate. As I said, like, will 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 they start giving some to local NHS and frontline staff? So they're just there for the day as a bit of a treat, or will it be the hardcore boys who you know are going to go bonkers? So it's it's going to take a while to 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 to, to blend them back in again and and get what poor old Lee wants. Oh. 
Uh, I, I was just flicking through something there and I seen one article say <laughs> that Pochettino is going to be the next Paris Saint-Germain manager. He loves Paris, can't wait to go there. And the next yeah. article was uh, the team selection that Pochettino is going to use in Madrid when Stan gets the sack. So Poch is, <laughs> Poch is looking for every job left, right and centre. So uh, I wonder how he fancy Charlton. Ah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> ah, stop, mate. Stop. Brilliant. Neil, uh, hey, oh, he's got three jobs on the line. Yeah, Neil, pro- professional football is back, elite football, if you want to call it that. Crowds are coming back, but and I noticed the case over in England just as well as in Ireland. Uh, kids aren't allowed to play back, uh, play football matches uh, in what well, it is socially distanced. Uh, no crowds, no nothing. They're going to school. They're on top of each other in school, and they're not allowed to go out and play a football match. It's it's getting ridiculous now at this stage, isn't it? Yeah, it's a big shame. I think a lot of people had high hopes um, from the 1st or 2nd of December that there would be some resemblance to normality restored. So they didn't stop the kids uh, from going to school. They mix in school. You can still train and you're a part of under 15, you know, 15 people. Uh, it was non-contact, etc. Then they were letting elites because, you know, they're elites and uh, they were allowed to play, which again, should be the same for everybody, in my opinion. Um, and now they seem to be pulling back in it a little bit where they're saying isn't it that the, they're, they're, they're not allowing the league to finish their leagues and stuff like that but uh, all in all I think it's very very disappointing that you know and you'll see that yourself you're, like, you're, we're up in the training ground every night of the week and you're in particular going to have maybe not the younger kids because I look after an 11s and they're you know the training is great for them and I might get them out on a Saturday um, for an extra session other than the two nights a week but for the 14s and the 15-year-olds and the 16-year-olds, uh, my worry, and I, I've seen it firsthand, is that a lot of them are not going to return after Christmas. Their league has been broken now two years in a row. We've had half a season, half a season, and then uh, COVID. Um, and it's just a pity there wasn't an extra little bit of planning put in place there. Because let's be honest, we could have put plans in place for every club arriving, the COVID officer, you know, keep the kids out there, keep it to, you know, as, as few instances of contact spread the supporters out if they're allowed in or restrict them and um, we're just very disappointed and I know a lot of kids are going to so well a lot of kids are suffering from it and the knock on effect of this is not going to be good for any league regardless of elite status or not Yeah Neil we have an under 13 side and I can tell you now one of our players is struggling badly with trying to get up training and what have you he's you always have one player who is just so focused on their, the games and they come up to train and, you know, it's, it's, it's nearly the chore just to get the game, you know, that sort of way. So they'll come up and they, they yep. work hard and train and what have you, but they really want that game. And he's fallen away. And it, I'd say it's happening all over the country now where you're going to lose people to the sport because, they're first of all, they're not looking after them and, and it can't be good for their... For, I know that we're talking about mental health a, a, a bit, but it can't be good for their mental health that, that they don't get that sort of stimulation. And even in schools where they're, they're being forced to wear masks during PE, which is absolute nonsense, because they're telling themselves one side of their mouth that the kids don't transmit it, and then the next side of their mouth they're telling them they have to put a mask on. So, yeah, um, listen, if there's... Now, yeah, go ahead. Let me in. Stephen Henderson, friend of the show, huh? Yeah. I would like to think of myself as a genuine football person who is desperate to see all our structures improve and is willing to put in a shift to help make those improvements. 
Today I'm broken. Not entirely sure how much more of egotistical political bollocks I can take anymore. <laughs> and that's it. It's in a nutshell, isn't it? I mean, we know they're making just, up uh, half the shit. Just to hammer it home, I cannot figure out why the FBI's underage leagues have been cancelled under government guidance a day after the GAA scheduled minor championships beginning later this month. So there you have it. There you go. Anyway, we'll try not get too political, but um, yeah, um, <laughs> think who you're voting for. Okay, <laughs> uh, Neil, we're going to leave it there. Dave, we're going to leave it there. Thanks very much, and we'll talk to you next week after a jam-packed uh, Premier League and Champions League yeah. week, which should be hugely interesting. 